The combined federal campaign celebrates 60 years this year. The National Capital Region boosters hope they can build off last year's first all-virtual campaign and beat that $37 million the local federal employees donated during the pandemic. Vince McConey is executive director for Enterprise Services at the Commerce Department and co-chair of the National Capital Region's local CFC Coordinating Committee. He tells Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco what the region learned from last year's campaign. So we literally last year built the campaign while we were going. I sort of liken it to we were going down a highway at at 65 miles an hour and we were putting things together while we were going along. We had had some virtual activities before, but we really hadn't converted our entire program into Zoom meetings, Teams meetings, and different ways of reaching out and communicating to each other. It was actually a very good and creative experience to go through because it got us thinking about how we can reach federal employees most effectively, Um, not just by shooting out an email, but how can we touch people with social media? How can we reach out by and through various constituency organizations? How could we get other heroes and, and supporters of the campaign to talk about what they're doing to their peers? So we really had that spirit and mentality to it. And frankly, I sort of look back now, like we did our kickoff and our training And I sort of just look at what we did this year, and it was like we blew away what we did last year in terms of the the quality, the way we've learned to use these various mediums to share information, and frankly, to communicate about this important program to federal employees. So last year, we didn't know with the pandemic how it was going to affect families. So we set our goal, we set our goal pretty low. We set it at $30 million because frankly, you know, we heard of many families where there were maybe two people who were employed, maybe one for the federal government, one for private sector, folks lost jobs, families were disruptive. And, you know, we just didn't know how things were, were going to really roll out. We were blown away by the generosity of federal employees. Not only did we exceed that goal of 30 million. We exceeded what we had done in recent years, which was around the mid thirties and actually raised $37.2 million and had 48,000 volunteer hours pledged through the campaign. So we were shocked and excited. And what we started to do as we were rolling out next year's campaign is already do the pre-planning for what we were going to do now. How could we take everything we were learning along this journey that we were going through and make it even better so that we could communicate more effectively about why this is so important to helping people? And so do you have a goal for this year? Yeah, we're not going to be conservative with our goals this year. We want to meet or beat what we raised last year, which is $37.2 million. And that's, you know, that's going to be heavy lift but I am confident that we can get there. One of the things that's been very interesting with the virtual nature of the campaign, it used to be that we would go to events at different departments and agencies. And as I like to say, we'd have a meeting with the converted. You know, we'd have all the people who are already CFC supporters coming down, meeting with charities. They're already on board. Well, now when we go to a virtual all-employee meeting for an agency, one, we might be speaking to people all around the country, but two, we're speaking directly to employees, talking about the impact that their contribution makes in the lives of others. So we are, I'm very optimistic that not only are we going to meet what we did last year, but we're going to blow it out the water. That is my hope. So when we spoke with you last year, you mentioned that the campaign was seeing a real influx of first-time donors. Can you tell us how that perhaps panned out with last year's campaign and whether there are any other trends that you saw? 
So yes, we did find that we had an increase in the donors overall, and we had many first-time donors, very specifically in the special solicitation that we conducted for the pandemic, which would have been about last May, June timeframe. And I think when we looked at that, you know, there was a higher percentage of folks that joined the campaign for the very first time. We last year had an increase in the amount that was raised per person in the national capital area. I think it was a couple hundred dollars more that people were giving. So our messaging is resonating. We're still waiting for the final statistics from OPM from last year so that we can slice and dice those and figure out where we may need to focus some of our messaging activities. But we did see for the first time, I think, capturing new donors to the campaign last year. And that was really you know, what helped us result in the $37.2 million that we did raise. Now, the other thing I want to encourage people register to volunteer through the CFC. It is just another way that folks can give. And we know federal employees volunteer on their own time, but it's another way just to show the marker of how you're having that impact. I mean, at this point, you know, the campaign itself has gone cashless. I think it has been for years now at this point. You have this virtual component where everyone's operating and working virtually for the most part. Just kind of wondering if you see the campaign at a point where you can really settle into some of these changes that you've made within the past couple of years and move forward. And if so, what that might look like. I think this year and next year are those change years. So with respect to CFC and frankly, a whole lot of other federal benefits programs, I don't see the need for paper anymore if we can avoid it. So we've got a QR code that we're promoting so that people know and can get easily to our URL, which is, you know, givecfc.org so that they can contribute through the Combined Federal Campaign. It's much easier to search online than it is on a paper document with 100 pages when you're looking for for causes you care about or charities, because we've got great search tools built in. So I see a day where we're going to really be focusing specifically on ways that are easy, effective, and quick for employees to give. For example, this year, it's our 60th anniversary of the CFC. So we're encouraging people to think about giving two gifts. One, their normal payroll deduction gift, but then doing a one-time gift of $60 to a cause they care about to honor this special celebration year. So, you know, helping people understand how they can use tools like their phones to do, you know, more than one contribution and select the way they want to give. I mean, yes, we used to collect dollars at events and that was a way to encourage people to give, but the whole world has changed and everyone has fundraisers on social media. Everyone now uses their phone to do sort of that sort of giving. So, Frankly, I sort of look at it as the time for CFC to catch up to what everyone else is doing. And we're taking advantage of that. And I think you're going to see, you know, this year and next year, even, even greater changes as we improve our ability to deliver to employees wherever they live and work. And remember, the federal government is not a monolith. There are literally thousands of employees that don't have the benefit like me of being able to work part-time from my home. If you're a postal employee, you're delivering the mail every day, no matter what the weather is, no matter what the pandemic status is, you're out there directly interacting, getting your job done. If you're a transportation security officer, you got to go to work in an airport. We can't do all that remotely. So we want to make sure that the tools we have and the prompts we have can be used by everybody anywhere. And that actually makes it easier when you go to a virtual environment to deliver some of this. So for example, the really cool kickoff that we did today, you didn't just need to watch it today at 11 a.m. If you were on shift and you just want to watch that when you're home or on break, you can pull that up anytime, or you can pull up our training anytime. 
that's what the amazing aspect and the, the amazing reach that we can have by how we're doing business now. Can you tell us about the theme for this year and maybe put it in context for us with the CFC's 60th anniversary? So we're really excited with being the face of change because it talks about how federal employees every day and what they do at work and how they can contribute is being the face of change, which is what we signed up for as public servants. I'll tell you, last year we used be the face of change or something like that as sort of a sub-theme in the national capital area and sort of beta tested it. Like how did, you know, were people connecting to that? Were we really expressing, you know, trying to engage and bring people in by understanding that one person through a small contribution can make a difference for someone they don't know, will never meet, might be across the world, but that one minor contribution may have helped provide a medical procedure that gives new opportunity to somebody. Helping a young girl get through school somewhere in a country far away, maybe someday she'll be president of that country. You know, all of those can start with very small contributions and being the face of change and expanding our role as public servants to helping address causes that we care about personally. Vince McConey, co-chairman of the National Capital Region's local CFC Coordinating Committee, speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. Check out Nicole's story at federalnewsnetwork.com and get ready to shell out. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy. with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. 
but that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. 
she turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. <clears throat> um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.